for the next, I don't know, two or three weeks, I guess, however long God, God leads, we're going to be talking about who is Jesus. About who is Jesus. Because, you know, no one in our world denies the existence of Jesus. They just don't know who he is. They don't deny the existence of Jesus. People say he's a teacher, he was a prophet, he was a good person, but they don't know who he is. You know, and Jesus, so Jesus posed the question himself to his disciples. He says, who do men say that I am? Who do men say that I am? And they said, some of y'all some say you're, you're John the Baptist or one of the prophets or Elijah. Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter spoke up and he said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, you know, said, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed that unto you, my Father which is in heaven. But that what I want to talk about for the next few weeks is not who man says that he is. I don't want to talk about who God revealed to Simon Peter that he was. I want to talk about who God says Jesus is. I want to talk about who the Father says he is. So go to Gospel of John, first chapter. And I've been thinking about this for weeks now. I've been, I've been asking God and asking the Holy Spirit, God, take me, on a, take me on a deeper understanding of God. How many of y'all are tired of shallow Christianity? Anybody tired of the world we live in that's full of nothing but shallow Christianity? Three points in a poem. But here's the thing. I'm going to explain something to you. A lot of preaching is done because that's the level at which saints can receive. They'll eat meat, but you're still, you're still on milk. He says, I can't feed you what I want to feed you because you're not daily eating. Your stomach's too sensitive. Oh, we could park there a minute. Everybody's too easily offended by meat. They can't eat meat. All they can handle is milk. All they can handle is the pats on the heads and the attaboys. Because if I go to something that's meat, it's like, ooh, that didn't agree with me. He said, you should be able to consume meat. Well, what makes it to where you're able to, to have an appetite for something? Well, you've got to eat other than Sundays. I mean, listen, here's a, how many of y'all ever gone a long period of time and you not ate anything rich? Anybody ever, ever gone and tried to eat better, you eat rich food, and all of a sudden something's put in front of you, and you go and gobble down some rich food? It doesn't really go well, does it? <laughs> doesn't really go over too good, does it? You know why? Because your stomach can't handle the heavy, the heavy nature of a thing that you've placed in it because you've been eating all the light fare. See, the problem in the church world is we all eat the light fare. Nobody eats the heavy stuff. Nobody eats the meat stuff. I, re I read a quote not too long ago. It says this. It says, all shallows are clear. Everything shallow is clear. If you're standing in the edge of the ocean, it's super clear. I mean, you can see your feet. You can see the sand. But if you get off into deeper water, it begins to get a little bit more difficult to see, and it requires more effort, and it requires more faith to get off in that deeper water where all the shallow areas are clear the deep areas not so much. And so I've been saying, God, take us as a congregation into the deeper areas of the faith. Take us into the deeper areas of God. Because I'm really tired of this, this, this super superficial Christianity. 
But if we don't ever give any more consideration to the things of God, except for an hour and 10, hour and 15 minutes, most churches now 50 minutes on a Sunday morning, how are we ever going to wade off into the deeper things of God? My depth of knowledge is greater about Netflix than it is about the Bible. We've waded off into deep things. But not the deep things of God. You say, how does that happen? Well, sometimes you've got to sit around and think. You've got to take a passage of Scripture. We challenge the men over the next few weeks what we're doing. Our Wednesday night men's group, if you're not there, you're missing a great, great, great thing. The garrison is an amazing thing. We had an amazing time at Brother Boone's. Jason didn't go into all the food we actually had. When I say it was ridiculous, can I get an amen? amen? It was unbelievable, unbelievable. But we're talking about building and making righteous kings. So what we're doing is I've told the men, if you don't already do this now, I hope all the men are doing this, is every morning get up and go through the proverb that co- corresponds to that day. And get at it with what, hold your highlighter up, Rod. That's a highlighter. Amen. Its job is to highlight things you'd like to remember. <laughs> and I told him, get a highlighter and sit down with the proverb of the day, guys, and go through it. And what we're doing is we're highlighting anything that pops out at us. And then on Wednesday nights, we're discussing it. Why? Because what is Proverbs? Proverbs was a king, the wisest of all kings, giving instruction to his sons, future kings, on how to be kings. You say, I'm not a king. You are if you're a Christian. If you're, if you're a Christian, you're a king because the Bible says he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. You say, why don't I live like a king? Because you had not learned how to. Because you don't know how to. So Proverbs is teaching us that. Why? And I'm saying, Lord, take us to a season of depth with you. But you can't just sit down and read through the Proverbs and say, okay, I'm just going to read it as fast as I can possibly read it. There's a reason why I said get you one of those things. Hold it up again, Rod, so I can see it. It's orange. They make them in all colors. Pick their favorite color. Listen, my wife gave me one the other day that some drug rep had given her. It's a wheel of them, man. It's got every color on the thing. I'm serious. You can just hold one little highlighter and just any color you want to. But it makes you methodically read the Word. And when something jumps in, hey, spend a little time meditating on this. Sit with this for a while. Chew on the meat a little bit. See, the reason why we can't eat meat is because when you drink milk, listen, they, Asher, when he's on milk, when he first started, it was a little bit difficult to get him to take all that milk. Now you pop that bottle in his mouth, and he'll nearly suck it out of your hand. You know why? There is no challenge whatsoever to the consumption of milk. Babies don't have teeth when they're drinking milk. They, don't, they start getting teeth, man. He ought to be, y'all ought to be, he, he's got to be excited because teeth means food's coming. It's hard to gum food. But Christians got to have teeth. You got to have teeth. And you got to be willing to chew on that meat until you can get it to a place where you can swallow it. See, most of the time when we're reading through the Word, we just want the milk because the milk goes down easy. But if you get to the meat, you got to chew on that meat for a minute because you got to chew it up into manageable bites. Chew it to where it's, 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 it's listen, you got to, oh, I'm just going to get a graphic for a minute. Y'all hang on. We'll get to that in a minute. You got to chew it. Until it changes form. Until it changes form and your body is able to assimilate that food into your body. You don't get a big old piece of steak, cut it with a knife, put it in there and just... You don't do that. You know why? Because you got to chew on that until you break it down. See, when you get in, get down a chapter at a time. You don't eat... How many of y'all ever got yourself a really nice, thick, big ribeye? 
Okay, here's the way. Do, do you take that ribeye and just shove the whole thing in your mouth and try to swallow it? Absolutely not. You would kill yourself. Well, you do. First, you cut it up. I laid mine down. I got all this meat right here, and I can't eat all that at one time. I can't eat it all at one time because I cannot consume that. I cannot put that inside of me. So I take that and I say, okay, I cut me off a little bite. What usually happens is the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit will cut you off a little bite and say, hey, this is the bite you need. Well, I don't want that bite, but that's the bite you need. But I don't want that bite. It's like little youngins. You know how you know you're maturing when you're as an adult? Because you know you can't just eat ice cream. When you're a kid, well, you can, but it'll kill you. When you're a kid, when you're a kid, you know what a kid, you got to say, okay, listen, if you eat this much of your vegetable, this much meat or this much vegetable, then you can have this. Why? Because you know what the kid would eat? Nothing but the cookies. You know why? They go down easy and they like them. See, guess what it is? It's because they're immature. See, when I read the scriptures immaturely, what I say is, oh, I like this verse. It makes me feel good. Listen, that don't make you grow. It just makes you fat and lazy. Ice cream don't make you grow except wide and still. Ice cream will make you grow wide and, 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 and still. That's what will happen to you. But it doesn't give you any strength. It's the same thing with eating the meat of the Word, man. You, just, you can have all the milk verses you want to. And it'll make you fat and lazy, but it won't make you strong. It won't make you useful. But you take that meat and you take the steak, and the Holy Spirit says, here, cut this piece off here, Alex. Take that one. Uh-uh, I don't want that one. He says, take it. I don't want that. Puts it in your mouth. You spit it out. He just grabs it with a fork, sticks it right back in your mouth. See, if the Holy Spirit really has a piece of steak for you, you can go, every time you open your Bible, he's going to shove the same piece right back in your face. I don't want that piece. I'm going to change pages. He's finding you another one. Here's the same thing. Same thing. Same thing. It's like he's telling J.D. was little. He said, I don't want to do that. I said, yeah, you do. That's the Holy Ghost. He says, you're reading the Bible. Here, eat that piece. But then you put it in your mouth like, whoa, that's a lot. So what do you do? You got to chew on it. 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 Because what are you doing when you're chewing on it? You're getting the nutrients out of it. You're getting the flavor. You know why? You know why I don't want to just take a whole ribeye and stick it in my face? Because they're flavorful. I like the texture. I like the juiciness, the flavor of that. I like the taste of it. I like the warmth of the, of the meat cooked properly. I like the way it, I enjoy the whole experience. That's what it means to eat meat. See, when you sit down with the Word, if you're sitting down to rush through it, you're not there to savor the meal. When you open that Bible, man, the, God has prepared a table right in front of you, prepared a meal of the choicest of meats, and he says, now I want you to enjoy this. I want you to savor this. Oh, well, i got to get through this, Lord. Why? What's more pressing than a word? What's more pressing than, than the logos of God? And he says, you spend some time there with it. But I want to see us, church, get into the deep things of the faith. I mean, when Paul goes to talking about the, the shallow things in Hebrews 6, he's like the resurrection, the laying on of hands. I mean, he goes through all these things. He says, of that you should have been aware of long ago. How are you still stuck there? And I, I mean, I think about that so many times. Church, how are we still stations with others about certain parts of the doctrine that we disagree on? How are we not fully aware of what our doctrine is? How are we not fully aware of what we believe? You know why? We don't eat none of it. You start talking to people about theology and doctrine, they're like, what's doctrine? 
Bible says teach your children sound doctrine, huh? I take them to church. They've been to Sunday school. That ain't what it's talking about. The doctrine of the faith. What we believe, why we believe it, in whom Jesus. We're going to start right here this morning over the next few weeks. We're going to start talking about the cornerstone of our faith, which is how God sees Jesus. Because if I don't see Jesus the way God sees Jesus, I see Jesus wrong. If I don't see Jesus in the way that God sees him, my, my sight and my vision of Jesus is incomplete. See, most people in the church can see Jesus as Savior. Oh, that's what he is. That's part of who he is. That's part of who he is. That's a small part of who he is. When we finish this over the next three weeks, what you're going to realize is Jesus is everything. He's all things. He's everything. Everything made was made by and through him. Without him, nothing. nothing. See, I love what the Bible says. It doesn't say without him, a few things possibly might have been made. It says without him, nothing that has been made was made. Your Nikes were not made except by Jesus. See, the Bible says he is the cornerstone. He is what it is built upon. But so much of our lives, we have, oh, well, he's my Savior, but this is what my life is. All right, let's go. Uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, before all time, was the Word, Christ, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God himself. He says, before there was anything, there was Jesus. Before there was anything. See, we don't have a concept of that, but let's, let's think about that. Give yourself, some, give yourself permission to think about what that is. What is nothingness? See, we don't even have a, we, 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 a man does not have a concept of nothingness. We don't make, we, we don't make anything from nothing. If you're making concrete, you have the ingredients to make concrete. You can't just make it. I mean, John Del Gallo can build some beautiful structures, but he's got to have something to build them out of. He's yet to be able to build anything out of nothing. But God and Jesus are here and they're existing. Them, the God, the God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. And it said, and they looked and there was utter nothingness. I can't even imagine that. I mean, it's like, oh, we're going to build this house from scratch. Well, you're going to clear the wood off there. And then you've got to bring in dirt, put the foundation on. And then you're going to put concrete in. You're not making it out of nothing. You didn't build it out of thin air. God looked and saw John, nothing. It's a, it's a phenomenal thought. And so I tell you, if you will read and begin to give yourself permission to think about the deeper things of God, you realize that we have a God who made everything out of nothing. But yet, why would I have limited faith in a God who made everything out of nothing? I look at my situation and I say, God, this is hard. He says, hard for who? I made everything out of nothing. How is it that we ever doubt God when he's a God who, took, who looked into the abyss of nothing? Well, God, Pastor, you don't know my situation. How much worse could your situation be than nothing? Share with me how much worse your situation is than the existence of nothing. Well, I need more financial resource. You said more. God started with nothing. Amen. <laughs> Say, I need healing in my body. He started by, he made bodies from nothing. You think God can heal me? Well, he made you from nothing. 
Well, said he made you from the dust of the ground. Who made the dust of the ground? You say, what does that mean? It means no matter what's going on in your life, God will go back to the beginning step that he has to go to to make it right. God can go to something that does not exist and create something out of nothing. He's not limited by space and time. He's not limited by what said you have to see it. God might just decide to make it out of nothing. Have you ever sat down and tried to figure out your situation? Stop doing that. Because see, but God makes all things out of nothing. See, now that excites me. I guess it doesn't excite y'all like it does me. But I think about the things that I'm like, well, that's a struggle for me. God says it's not a struggle for me. I made everything out of nothing. Life's not going the way I want it to. It's okay. He made everything out of nothing. We're never going to get through all this today. It's okay. The more time I have to think, the longer I preach. Verse 2, he was continually existing in the beginning, co-eternally with God. How is it we treat Jesus like he just showed up in a manger? See, it's cute that we celebrate Jesus' birthday at Christmas, but Jesus don't have a birthday. Jesus always was. He don't have a birthday. That was the day he showed up in human form, and I think it's it's the most beautiful time to celebrate. I'm so excited this year. Christmas is on a Sunday. And believe it or not, there will be churches who call off church for Christmas. I'm not kidding you. They did it one year before, and I'm like, how do you do that? It's like, let's celebrate your birthday by staying home and unwrapping gifts with our our greedy family. But Jesus doesn't actually have a birthday because he always existed. What's God's birthday? Doesn't have one. He's eternally, he lived lived eternal. He's an eternal being. There's no beginning and no end. It says from the beginning, Jesus was with God. I'm going to celebrate him. See, because the problem is if you celebrate Jesus simply as a baby who came in a manger, then you don't know how to understand who Jesus is outside of just the Jesus that walked this earth. See, Jesus walked this earth as an as a, as a image of what we were supposed to be as we walked this earth as sons of God, but that is not the full extent of who he is. If you take and you, if you, take and you bring Jesus down to simply what he did as a God-man on this earth, you've missed the whole point of who God created him to be or who God has him be with him at all times eternal. And so when you get into the point in Hebrews where he begins to talk about an eternal kingdom, that is ruled by a scepter of righteousness, you're like, you're thinking, oh, wow, that must be what's going to happen after his resurrection. No, that's what it has always been. See, the resurrection was a part of what Jesus world. See, his kingdom does not have an end because his kingdom did not have a beginning. It has no beginning and it has, y'all, come on now, you got to follow me. We've been walking through a lot of this stuff. It has no beginning and it has no end. It didn't start post the cross. The cross was just to stop within the, within the purpose God had for Jesus to bring salvation to all mankind. But Jesus was the king always, always. He's not all authority because of the cross. He was already all authority. The cross was possible because he was all authority. The reason why he could take death, hell, and the grave on is because he, was, he has always been all authority. 
Some of y'all following me and some of y'all will be getting excited with me. He, he did not become all authority after the grave. He went to the grave. All authority. He went to the grave with everything subject to him. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness therein. Jesus came to an earth that was his. It was his. He didn't come to reclaim something. It was his. The devil's always been defeated. You know what the cross was according to Colossians? It was his public embarrassment. He was defeated the day that God put his boot in his behind and put him into the pit. Colossians, through the shame of the cross, what happened was that was God saying, Hey, you down there. See, that's what he is. He's a defeated foe. But he was always defeated. Listen, when Jesus showed up to the, to the legion of demons, they looked at Jesus and they said, what are you doing here to torment us before I was whooped? They just said, you're here too early. Because Jesus is not someone who gained power through what he did here. He brought power with him. But see, if we don't have the right image of God, the right image of Jesus... Oh, he was my Savior. He was this baby in a manger. Man, he's a conquering hero. He reigns undefeated. Undefeated, and it will never change. Your situation will not be his loss. You're not going to be his spoiler. You're not going to be heaven's Cinderella story in March Madness. You're not going to be the one that dethrones the king. He is undefeated and will always be undefeated. Your trouble is not too much for him. Mm. Verse 3, all things were made and came into existence through him. And without him, not even one thing that was made that has come into being. He said everything. Everything that's ever been made and that will ever be made was... Rod, what do we fear? He says, everything that has ever been made and that will ever be made was made through Jesus. It is all oh, that started once he got down here and made some. I have no choice to become wine. The maker of water said, be wine. Water said, all right. <laughs> you know why? Who made the molecules? I mean, if God, if God through Jesus can make water without water, he certainly can make wine out of water. It's like, oh, and he, he really showed his preeminence when he walked on water. Why would he not walk on water? As soon as he put his foot down, that water said, oh, hey, there's our maker. We're going to have to change our form and become solid because he needs to walk to the boat. You've got to understand, things are still in the business of obeying him. If you make it, you can tell it what to do. See, God, Jesus, God through Jesus, He don't ever ask for something out of something He don't know is there because He made it. When God says, I need something out of you, child, it's easy. He made you. He made you. He said, come on, I need you. He, made, he said, I made you. I put it in you. I know it's there. I know everything. He said, what you need me to talk to? What you need? I got it. What resources you need? I got it. You know how I know I got it? I made it. 
He made gold. He made money. You say, oh, they print money. No, he made it. How do I know? Everything that was made was made through him. You know what it does? What he tells it to do. He put gold in a fish's mouth. That wasn't no thing for him. He made the gold and the fish. We act like, whoa, he put gold in a fish's mouth. He made the gold and the fish. So I ain't never found gold in the fish's mouth. You ever look for it? You ever needed it? If you need gold in the fish's mouth, he says, if Jesus says go catch a fish, you better go catch a fish. I'm going to keep rolling. In him was life and the power to bestow life, and that life was the light of men. See, you understand something? That ain't, when he, that ain't just when he got here. You know, we're not talking about when he got here yet. In verse 14, we're going to talk about what happened when he got here. But right now, what we're talking about is who he is and who he's always been. So it says, listen, he is the life and the light. He is not a life. He is the only life. He is the only light. And he has always been and will always be. I mean, he says to himself, I am the light of the world. Why would we fear darkness? I don't want to go there. That makes me nervous. Why does it make you nervous? I don't know. That's unknown. It's only unknown because it's still dark. Light it up. I don't know how to do that. Well, you may not do it, but he does. You know how I know? He made it. He created everything that's done, everything that's said, everything that will be done. And he says, hey, I've, I've never, I don't have any experience there. He said, well, just light it up. How do I light it up? He's the light of the world. He said, what are you saying? I said, illuminate everything with Jesus. See, our problem is, is we try to walk through darkness and trip over things, then we get stuck in there and say, where's the light? He said, you should have took me with you. You spend too much time trying to go by yourself. I'm going to keep rolling. I got to go because I want to get this. Verse 5, and the light shines on in the darkness. And the darkness did not understand it or overpower it or appropriate it or absorb it and is unreceptive to it. It says in the light that he is shines on in the darkness. See, in Genesis, he said, and let there be light. See, here's the interesting thing about the book of Genesis. Here's God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And God said, we looked out into utter nothingness. He said, the first thing we're going to need is some light. So he said, all right, light. Let it be light. But now it's interesting because what we think about when we think about light is what? The sun. But you know, the sun wasn't made first. Light was made first. And then the sun was placed by God to rule the light. The first thing God made was light. And the reason why he made light first is because light is eternal. It is all-powerful. And darkness can never overpower light. So when Jesus makes the statement, for I am the light of the world, he says, I was the first thing that was. I'll be the last thing that is. And nothing else can overpower the light that exists. See, so many times we think, well, God made the sun, but it doesn't say that. He said, and let there be light. And there was light. 
and there was light. And it says, and the darkness has never been, nor ever will be, able to overpower it. Why? Because there's no such thing as darkness. I'm just in such a darkness. I'm just in such a dark place. You, you can't be. There's no such thing as darkness. There's just the absence of light. There's just the absence of light. Darkness cannot overpower light. That's why you can have the darkest room, and if you light a candle, immediately the focus goes to where? The candle. Because the moment light shows up, wherever it's near that darkness is the light. So when I say, oh, I find myself in a dark place, you're not in a dark place. You're in a place that you had not brought light. you got an absence of light. The more light that you can get into the situation, you don't have to worry about the darkness. And we can make it pitch dark in here, but the moment that George hits a switch and the lights come on, what, what? it ain't like there's this fight. See, what we don't understand about the difference between darkness and light, there ain't no battle. There ain't no battle. Oh, well, the light is battling darkness. There ain't no battle. When you turn the lights on, darkness just disappears. It's not a matter of, oh, yeah, when you go home at night, walk into your living room and flip the light switch on, you don't see this struggle in the middle of the room. And then dark pushes back. And then light's going this way. You don't see none of that, do you? What happens? See, that's how it works because he is light. See, there's no struggle. No, he's beyond victorious. It's, it's instantaneously. When Jesus comes on the scene, when Jesus comes on the scene, it's not some little fight that takes place. Oh, well, the devil's pushing back. There is no competition. It literally is darkness, then light. Light. And it says the darkness has never overpowered. We sit in these situations. The Bible says that we, were, we used to be in the kingdom of darkness. Yeah? But we've been translated to the kingdom of the son of his love. Now, I love how that puts that because it says, you know, Rod, you used to be in darkness. You was in the kingdom of darkness, ruled by the dictates of the king of darkness, ruled by the enemy. But he said, the moment you accepted Christ, you were translated out of that darkness. But it says you weren't put into light. You were put into the son of his love. See, right there, the Bible says it's not light, it's Jesus. See, it's not that our lives need more light. They need more Jesus. It's not that I was translated from dark spaces to light. I was translated from dark spaces to Jesus. And now what it, what it, what it amounts to is, do I live in darkness or do I have to live in Jesus? Do I live in the struggle or do I live in Jesus? Verse 6, there came a man commissioned and sent from God whose name was John. This man came as a witness to testify about the light so that, we, so that all might believe in Christ the light through him. John was not the light, but came to testify about the light. There it was, the true light, the genuine, perfect, steadfast light. Everyone. I'm going to stop there a second. It says it enlightens. He says that light comes into the world and enlightens everyone. It means everybody can see it. See, it's like people say, well, what about the folks who don't know about God? Paul says, they stand without excuse. Creation speaks of God. See, people that don't want to acknowledge God, they do so because they choose not to, not because they can't see it. 
You can blind yourself to anything. But he said when Jesus comes into the world, that light enlightens all mankind. Every person born on this earth knows there is a higher being, knows there is something to achieve for, knows there is something that is missing. They can choose to ignore it, but they know that it's there. Listen, people say, oh, that he gave people enough light to find the cross. That's not actually what the Scripture says. It says he enlightens all. He enlightens all. Listen, in my lifetime, when I've run from God, I knew I was running from God because I lay down to sleep and I know I'm doing something wrong. People say, oh, they just don't know. They do know. They do know. They do know that there is a better and a higher way. But they ignore that better and higher way. He says when he came into the world, that light came into the world, he and the one. I, I, it drives me crazy. People are like, well, we got just people just they, just, they just don't know. The Bible says they blind their own eyes. They darken their own imaginations. They choose. They choose to darken the things around them. I could stay there all day, but I'm not going to. I've got to hurry. He, Christ, was in the world, and though, and, through, look at this, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. It says he came to a world that was his. No, y'all got, we got to catch that. This morning, if you don't catch anything else, you got to understand this. When he came here, he didn't come here trying to take something. He came to what was already his. Jesus walked this earth. I love when you read through the Gospels. If you really read through the Gospels and watch, you watch the boldness and confidence that Jesus walked the earth with. He did so because it was his. You walk around a little bit different because it's yours. You walk around a little different when you own your home turf. Jesus didn't come to a world that didn't belong to him. He come to a bunch of people that didn't recognize that it was his, but he knew it was his. It's like when the devil took him up on the top of the, around the temple and said, he said, bow down and worship me and I give you all this. Jesus looked at him and said, man, you out your mind. It's already mine. You can't give me what's mine. Somebody comes to me and says, I'm going to give you this. People say, well, Adam surrendered. Listen, Adam did not surrender the earth. He surrendered the rule. He did not surrender the earth. The earth is God's and has always been God's because the earth never belonged to man. The earth belonged to God. And I got news for you. From that time, God was always going to take every bit of it back. And still is. People say, I don't know what's going to happen in this world. We got all these things going on. I'm going to comfort your heart from the Bible. I'm going to comfort your heart from the Bible. I can tell you, without question, from the book of Revelations, I can tell you that there is enough, earth, enough water and wind and oxygen on this earth for at least a thousand years. Because Jesus is coming back and we are going to rule and reign with him on this earth in a, in a, at a minimum a thousand year reign. So I can tell you if you, if you ain't, if you lose and sleep at night because of, because of all that foolishness, the truth of the word comes back. Jesus comes back today. There's a thousand years. thousand years. Why? Because his word says so. Because listen, man, listen, if you think, If you think Penny Annie Man, the plan of God, you're in the wrong church. Because <laughs> God made an earth that he knows will be here and last that long. Because when he put it in there, and the Bible says he put them all in their own orbits. Big bang theory, my behind. 
Big Bang Theory. The Bible says, who taught the ocean that it could only go that far? People say, oh, listen, the ocean love is going to rise. We all going to drown. No, we ain't. Because my Bible tells me my God said, this is the boundary. You can't go no farther. You can't go no farther. You say you believe that? Oh, yeah. If I don't believe that, I don't believe I'm saved. Same word tells me that. Same word tells me I'm saved. You say, why? Because he has all authority. Because, listen, everybody who's telling me all their, listen, they can read me every fact they want to read me. They're studying from the last hundred years. He wrote this book. He made the ocean. He lined it out. He said, don't go past here. And the ocean said, yes, sir. I'm going to hurry. What time is it? Oh, it's 9.30. We're all right. 10.30. We're all right. We're all right. We're all right. Oh, I ain't got all day in me, boss. <laughs> Preaching, wear me out. Says that he, Christ, was in the world and through, and through the world through him, or was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own. That which belonged to him, his world, his creation, his possession. And those, those who were his own people, the Jewish nation did not receive and welcome him. But verse 12, watch this. He said he come to what belonged to him. Oh, it's so sweet. Jesus came as a baby. Listen, Jesus has never come anywhere except as a conquering hero. Oh, he came as a baby. He came as a baby conquering hero. So how do you know that? Because the spirit of Jesus was in that little baby. And that spirit is an all-conquering hero. It was his world. Well, he was born in a manger. Yeah, he could have been born anywhere he wanted to. I ain't going to preach Christmas yet. We're going to have a good time at Christmas this year. Verse 12, I love this. But to as many as did receive and welcome him. Now watch this now. I want you to understand something. This is connected to the verse 11. God showed me this this week. I've always talked about, you know, came to the world and the world, the world was made through him. But, you know, but the world, did, but they didn't receive him. But as many as did receive him. But see, if you're going to receive him properly, you've got to know who he is. See, this, this, this verse right here is not talking about the fact that one day you bowed down at an altar and you asked Jesus to come into your life. That ain't what it's talking about. I don't know what it's talking about because it ain't talking about just a Jesus who walked this earth for 33 years and was crucified. It talks about a Jesus who was all-existing, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-conquering, almighty, who came to the world that he made. And it said, and people saw him and recognized him, but they didn't recognize who he was. But to, to as many as did, to Rod, to Alex, to Terry, to Sheila, to as many who see him, not as a baby in a manger, but as a conquering hero. To as many as who can acknowledge that it is his world. No, y'all ain't heard that. Says, if you really want the fullness of what I'm fixed to talk about, you got to understand what verse 11 says. It says it's his. It's all his. Everything you have is his. Everything he has for you is his. No, y'all ain't heard that. have everything he has for you. you got to understand that it is all his. And you can't go get it on your own. Let me tell you something for those of you who've been trying. You can't get what God has for you. Not get what God has for you. 
You can receive what God has for you. But all you can get is what you have for you. John 15 says you can ask anything in accordance with his will. He hears us and he gives us our present possessions, those things we've asked of him. But he said he'll give you what you ask of him, but you can't go out and get. You can't go out and get his stuff. I can't get everything Jesus made for me. He's got to give it to me. Oh, that right there will preach, because I know all kind of people. They do, they're working as hard as they can to get everything they think belongs to them. Let me tell you something. You can either have what you have for you, or you can have what he has for you. But if you want what he has for you, you got to be willing to get it the way I'm fixing to show you. It's his. It's all his. Everything's his. Everything I need. Everything he had, everything ever made. I, you know, do you know there's not one thing you ever need in your life that God hadn't already made? Hebrews 4 says he, he, he finished his work from the beginning of the world simply waiting for someone who would believe. So I'm saying, Lord, I just need you to do this. He said, do what? I've already done it. Everything that you and your generations and descendants will ever need, God's already made. Oh, if he just could do this for me. He already has. He already has. He already has. He already, he's already been victorious. In the battle you fight right now, the battle's already won. Boy, how many tears have we cried over battles that's already won? The number of tears that we've cried in this building over battles that are already won. The number of belly aching and whining I've done. Complaining and griping that I've done over battles that are already won. Watch this. Watch this. He said he came to that which was his own, which belonged to him, his world, his creation, his possession. And those, though they were his own people, the Jewish nation did not receive and welcome him, but to as many as did receive and welcome him. He gave them the right, the authority, the privilege to become children of God why he came and how he came he said when you believe that you have the right to be called a child of God now watch this gets really good that is to those who believe and adhere to trust and rely on his name who were born not of the blood natural conception nor of the will of man, I say, I say, nor of the flesh or physical impulse, nor of the will of man, that of a natural father, but they are born of God. The divine and supernatural birth, they are born of God, spiritually transformed, renewed, and sanctified. He said, listen, what you get from God didn't come by natural means. I'm going to camp there a minute. Hang on. Hang on. Let me camp here a minute. Watch this. He said, you don't owe your birth to natural impulse. You don't have that right because of something your daddy did. You don't have that right because of something your parents made possible. You don't have that right because you measure up to a certain place naturally. Said, if you believe, he gives you the right to be called a son of God. And it's not a natural birth. It is a spiritual transformation. See, if you think about well, what well, we've taught people, and this is maybe unintentionally, but this is what it amounts to. Come to church, accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and he'll make you a little better. 
And then what happens is, well, if I'm, not, if I'm not getting any better, I'm doing something wrong. No, you're just trying to do it. He says, to as many as receive him for who he is. Not for what I think he is, but who he actually is. Who is the, the, the existing person with God's grace. He looks at Rod and he says, here is spiritual transformation. You will no longer be what you used to be. You will now be a child of God. We still ain't catching that. Y'all go home and chew. We're going to chew. We're going to chew on that. What it means that you don't, you're not who you are because of who you are naturally. If your family sucked, it don't matter. It also don't matter if your family was great. You ain't great just because they were. I don't owe who I am in this life to natural beings because I was supernatural transformed. By the power of a God who sent Jesus with the authority to do it. You want me to tell you why we go through life some of the ways we go through life and not not seeing ourselves the way God sees us? Because we don't truly recognize the authority of Jesus. Do you know to deny that he made me a son of God, to deny the position that he has put me in, is to say that the forces surrounding my life are more powerful than Jesus. When I look down on me, I'm saying that the things the world says about me are more powerful than Jesus. When I let my circumstances have sway over my life, I'm saying that they are more powerful than Jesus. But conquering hero, son of God, through all eternity, and he looks at you and says, here, have this. He has the right to give it to you. And nothing has the right to take it from you. Mm. Not to what's going on in my life. My identity is not tied to what people think of me. My identity is tied to the man who possesses all authority. Looking at me and saying, you're good enough. Verse 14, And the word Christ became flesh. We just got to that. We just got to him walking in the flesh on this earth. Everything else, everything, John, John 1, 1 through 1, 13 has been about what, what happens with the preeminence of Jesus. God says, I'm sending that authority to earth. See, I told you we were going to talk about how God sees Jesus. See, when we reduce Jesus down to a baby who comes in a manger and needs all these things and all this stuff, we're like, well, you know, God just took this big risk. He didn't take any risk. He sent the second person of the Holy Trinity full of power and authority. Jesus said on the cross, he said, don't you know that at any time while I walk here, Listen, Jesus may have been here on assignment, but he was well covered. He said, don't you know if I want to, I could call legions of angels? He said, don't nobody take my life. Jesus said, you're not taking nothing from me. I'm freely laying it down. Listen, God may have sent Jesus to this earth, but he had the heavenly knighthood announce his presence. 
People are like, oh, what a glorious choir showed up on the hell in the mountains. They saw what a bunch of baby angels in cherubs and diapers. Man, it, the, the Amphite says it was the holy knighthood. Yes. No, y'all ain't heard me. The warriors of the heavenlies announced the, announced the birth of their king. Ain't hey, nobody going to touch that baby. It wasn't dangerous. He looked all through what we just talked about in John 1. He said he was the light of the world through him. He made, listen, oh, he had to lay in a stable. He could lay anywhere he wanted to. He made it all. It was all his. He chose that. He picked that out. But it was his. He made the manger. This is the Jesus that God sent to this earth. Because if, if we continue to see him as the 33-year-old life he lived on this earth, you don't realize the power. Oh, look at all the miracles he did. Okay, Jesus said himself, he said, great, these things shall you do and even greater things because I go to my Father. You know, Jesus wasn't all that impressed with his miracles. Jesus is more interested in telling people when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. They said, show us what God looks like, Jesus said. <laughs> right here. Yeah. That's it. I mean, that was, it's like, when, yeah, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. They go up on the Mount of Transfiguration. They said, hey, let's stay here. Hey, y'all quit cutting up. Listen, I'll separate you. He said, Peter said, let's build three tabernacles. Jesus said, no, nah, man, you got this wrong. This ain't about having Moses one and Elijah one. You're looking at the Holy Son of God. You're looking at the face of heaven. You're looking at the very presence of God. They're all like, ooh, this is nice. Let's, let's honor everybody the same He told them, he said, we're not honoring everybody the same way. This is Jesus. See, we come to church. No, we don't honor everything. We come to church to honor Jesus, to worship God. That's why when we show up here, we need to bring God our best. Don't ever come in here and bring God your lazy worship. Bring God my lazy worship. What you talking about? Ooh, he said, I said it. I don't care. Listen, y'all don't know about the, last, about the last six, eight weeks. If I make you mad, I don't care. Oh, it's been much worse. No, it's been much worse. It's been much worse. I don't bring God my lazy worship. I don't bring him my blemished lambs. I bring the house of God my best. Why? Because it's not, it ain't Moses or Elijah. It's Jesus. I got to keep rolling. But I, got, I got a couple minutes. All right. I don't even know how long I've been preaching. I don't care. Verse 15, oh, hold up. And, he, and the Word became flesh, and He lived among us, and we actually saw His glory. Glory is belonging to the one and only begotten Son of the Father, the Son who is truly unique and truth, absolutely free of deception. I, I, I'm going to keep moving. John testified repeatedly about Him and has cried out, testifying officially for the record, with validity and relevance, this is He of whom I said, 
He who comes after me has a higher rank than I and has priority over me, for he existed before me. John came and he told all the people that were following him, the disciples of John, they said, listen, he said, I'm not him. He's coming after me and he takes authority over me because he existed before me. See, now there's a thing that he says right there that we got to catch. The reason that Jesus existed before all is because he takes authority over all. John said, I can't tell him what to do because he's been around a lot longer than I have. It's his world. See, everything that goes on in your life, it, uh, listen, it does not predate him. No, no, y'all, you heard that. Oh, but Pastor John, I've been dealing with this for years. How many? How many? How many years has it been a problem? Oh, you know, it's my whole life. How old are you? I've been, I've been struggling with this for the last 30 years. Oh, whoop tea. The authority of Jesus existed before you existed, before that existed, before anything existed. You say, why does that matter? Because he predates it all. His authority over my situation, over my circumstance, predates my circumstance. It predates me. It predates my daddy, my daddy's daddy, my daddy's daddy's daddy. See, we got to think in terms like that because you're like, well, it's such a difficult struggle. I've been at this so long. How long? I've been plagued by this too long. How long? We give credibility to that with this. Well, that's good because Jesus is older than your family. Send y'all home with some thought this month, this week. For out of his fullness, the superabundance of his grace and truth, we have all received grace upon grace, spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, favor upon favor, and gift heaped upon gift. Now, don't you see something here? It says out of his fullness. Now, there's a reason I say that, because it's out of his fullness or his superabundance, his grace and truth. Out of the fullness of who he is, out of his fullness, you receive what? Spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, favor upon favor, and a gift heaped upon gift. It says he's got for you favor and grace and gifts and spiritual blessings heaped upon, heaped upon, heaped upon, but it comes from somewhere, out of his fullness. Out of his fullness. You say, what do you mean by that? I mean, you can't take part of Jesus. See, you can't take half of Jesus. You can't take the half that's easy in the gift upon gift and the blessing upon blessing. It says it comes from his fullness. It comes from everything I talked to you about this morning. You've got to understand the deity. See, you know the difference between what I believe about Jesus and what the world in large believes about Jesus? They believe he was a good man. I believe he was God. No, y'all ain't heard me. They believe, oh, he was a good man. I ain't talking about a good man. He was God. See, when he asked Simon Peter, he said, who do men say that I am? He gave him a list of great men. Great men. He said, some say you're a prophet, Elijah. Well, you know, one of the prophets. He said, who do you say? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He said, who do you think I am? Simon Peter said, you are deity. You are God. You are the God-man on this earth. See, when I receive gift upon gift, it's because i got to recognize he's not a good man. He is God. See, your opinion of Jesus does not matter. The world's opinion of Jesus does not matter. Jesus is not a good man. Jesus is God. Well, I don't know if I believe that. Don't make no difference whether you believe that. 
the deity of him. The Godhead of him. I'm almost finished. Not really, but I'm going to quit. For the law was given through Moses, but grace, the unearned, undeserved favor of God and truth, came through Jesus Christ. Now watch this. You, you catch the words? The law was given through Moses. Now watch this now. Watch this. Mm. Oh, man. Come on now. It says that God sent both. Can we agree with that? God sent the law through Moses. Yes? That was how man, that was the schoolmaster that we could learn what was wrong with us and what we needed help with. But when, he, when God saw Moses, he saw a pass-through. Yeah? He saw a vessel. He saw conduit. That's how, that's how he saw Moses. Yeah, he saw the prophets the same way. He saw the prophets as the ability to speak for God. They were conduit for the word in the mouth of God. But he said it was given through Moses. But grace, unearned, unmerited favor, salvation came. Wasn't given. See what you... <laughs> Woo! Jesus didn't give you grace. He is Grace. Moses may have given the law, but Jesus was sent by God to be unearned favor. Not that it's going to be given through Jesus. Jesus is it. My faith is not in what comes through Jesus. My faith is in Jesus. If you believe in God this morning to heal you, you're not believing that healing's coming through Jesus. You believe that Jesus is healing. I'm not believing for the thing to come through him. He is the thing. You say, well, what if I need this? All things that were made were made by him. There is no thing that he is not sufficient. Well, I need this in my marriage. That's Jesus. I need peace in my life. That's Jesus. I need patience in my life. Jesus. It's all Him. It's all Him. He didn't come with the ability to give it to you. He came as it. He came as it. And my God shall supply all my needs. According to, say through. It says, according to His riches, by Christ Jesus. He says, oh, you need financial provision? You just need Jesus. People say, all I, all I got is Jesus, and that's all I need. They had no idea what they were saying. They write. See, it says, my God shall supply all my needs by his riches, according to his riches, by Christ Jesus. Say, so I need financial provision, Pastor Johnny. Nope, you just need Jesus. Say, so how do you know that? Jesus is money. Jesus is resources. He says, the law will teach you. Come here, huh? Stand right here just a second. 
The law is a schoolmaster. So if he, uh, Galatians, all was here, this, 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 and here's Moses standing here and he's saying, okay, do this and 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 do this, right? Everybody? Everybody, you, everybody agree with that? Everybody's like, there's the Ten Commandments, man. Listen, go read the book of Leviticus. Ten, my behind. <laughs> you don't want none of that, son. That's tough stuff. I read through you can't eat shrimp. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. Can't eat split-hoofed animals. I'm like, well, I like deer meat, though. Thank you, Jesus. But when it came through Moses, I want to give you a perfect picture of this. It's don't this, this, and if you do, if you don't, if you do, if you do, if you don't. The Bible, I mean, the, the law is full of that. Do this, don't do this. Do this, don't do this, don't do this. But it says the law failed why? The weakness of human flesh. It said I can tell him what to do, but he can't do it. The law says you suck. <laughs> That's it. That's what it is. The law says you're, you're, you, you, are, you are unholy, you're unworthy, you're unrighteous. You can't do this. And so the law came through Moses. And God said, well, they're going to screw this up over and over. This ain't never going to work. So he said, the more I just tell him, the more I tell him how to live his life, the more he's going to fail. Because I'm just telling him, do this, do this, do this. But God said, what i got to do for him. So it wasn't that he no longer stood off in the distance and said, do, do, don't, don't, do, do, don't, don't. He said, I'm going to just take Jesus, the embodiment of authority, the embodiment of victory, the embodiment of the deity of Jesus Christ, the, 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 the triune Godhead, and I'm just going to walk over here and I'm just going to put him in him. Now he's shown, and as he walks along, come on, let's walk, he needs something here. Well, the, 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 the law says you, this is how you need to do it. Jesus says, here, let me get that. Come on. Here, let me get that. And see, what happens is, as long as we continue to look at Jesus as giving. See, if I continue to look at the Jesus who's he's always giving this, that's one thing. But when I look at a Jesus who's existing, who's indwelling, who the Bible says he actually makes his home in us, takes up residence in us. Now we're no longer looking at a Jesus afar off and saying, oh, if it'll just make it here. It is here. When I walk, it's here. It's not on the way. It is here. See, we have to change the perception of the fact that Jesus is giving like Moses gave law and recognize he ain't giving, he's here. He's not just saying, oh, take it this way. It's coming out. It's being birthed out from the inside. Oh, it's better than y'all are responding. But it's our, it, listen. It comes down to what is our perspective. Do we see Jesus the way the world tells us to? The way Sunday schools told us to? Or the way God sees Jesus? Listen, Paul was a great guy, but he wasn't Jesus. Moses was the meekest man in all the earth, but he wasn't Jesus. David was a man after God's own heart, but he wasn't Jesus because they were mere and mortal men, but Jesus is a deity. Listen, David can't live in you, but Jesus can. Paul can't live in you, but Jesus can. Moses can't live in you, but Jesus can. He said, Moses said, here it is. Jesus said, here I am. 
One more thing I'm going to read and I'm done. Boy, I don't want to quit preaching. Y'all come back next week. It'll be better. Oh, he's willing. Don't worry. Verse 18, no one has seen God, his essence, his divine nature at any time. The one and only begotten God, that is the unique son, who is the intimate presence of the father. He has explained him and interpreted and revealed the awesome wonder of the father. Says no one's ever seen God. But Jesus, I love that where it says that he is the intimate presence the, the intimate presence of God himself. When the veil of the temple was torn and we were given invitation to come into the very presence of God, Hebrews uses the term that says the presence, but it means the face of God. That right there, that word means that Jesus is the face, the face of Almighty God. And that presence that is the intimate nature of God lives in you. So what happens when the presence of God dwells in a place? Circumstances shift. No, let me, let me show you something. Let me show you something. Let me show you something. I'll be done. I keep saying that, but I really will be. I think here I close my Bible, so we're good. In the Old Testament, the presence of God, where did the presence of God live? Where, where precisely? Where precisely? What was the representation of the presence of God? Ark of the Covenant. Yes? We all get agreement with that? To the point that whenever the ark, it was so much the presence of God existed, and to topple and fall over, a man did nothing but reach out to try to steady it, and he dropped dead touching it. That's how holy the presence of God was that dwelt in the Ark of the Covenant. This is what happens when the presence of God dwells in something. I just told you, Jesus dwells in you. He is the intimate presence of God. So I'm going to show you a couple things that took place. There was a time when the Philistines captured the Ark of the Covenant. Oh, I'm feeling to make myself happy. There was a time when the Philistines captured the Ark of the Covenant. And they took it into the temple of Dagon. And Dagon was the God of the Philistines. How many of you know we live in a world that has a bunch of gods of the Philistines? And we run scared from them. I'm tired of watching the church of Jesus Christ hide in fear or change its opinions of things because they're afraid it's going to offend the world. Do you know you're not designed to worry about offending the world? You're here to change the world. You're here to change the world. And so what happened? They put him in the, they put him in the temple of Dagon. They go back in the next day, and Dagon had fallen over on his face. The God of the Philistine had fallen over on his face in worship to the ark. So he stood him back up. Oh, that must have been something just happened. You know, it's a giant, giant, giant iron and stone God. Giant. Oh, maybe just blew over. So he stood it back up. The next morning they come in there and it had crumbled. Possesses the presence of God possesses the presence of God, steps into a place where there is unholiness and idol worship. That idol and that unholiness has to bow. You say, why did that happen to Dagon? Well, they made it out of stuff that was Jesus's.
from the elements of earth. Who made the earth? Man, those elements, when the, when the Spirit of God came in that place, those elements said, whoa, we're feeling kind of funny. The Creator has come in. And the molecules in them rocks. Because all that is made must respond to the presence of Almighty God. I'll give you one more. When it was time for the children of Israel to cross the Jordan. He told them, he said, listen, when you see the Ark of the Covenant come by, <clears throat> when you see that which possesses the presence of God fall in behind them, you're going somewhere you've never been before. And it says the moment, the moment that the priests that bore the arks, <clears throat> oh, come on. The moment the feet of the priest that, that bore the ark touched the edge of the water, the molecules in that water, said, oh, some of us need to go left and some of us need to go right. <laughs> but it's what happens. When the presence of God encounters a circumstance, the circumstance don't ever win. And it said the water piled up and heaped upon itself. And it was, listen, when there is obedience to the presence of God, of a circumstance or of something that is made by God, when there's obedience, it's not half obedience. You say, how do you know that? Because every water molecule, every water molecule left that riverbed. The Bible says they walked across on dry ground. No, y'all ain't heard me. When you got something going on in your life, when the God... In the person of Jesus who lives in here, when that presence hits the circumstance, the circumstance does what the presence demands. Now, y'all ain't near excited enough. Whatever you're going through, if you are carrying and tabernacling the presence of God, that circumstance doesn't have a choice but to obey the presence of God. And when those water molecules left, I think they could have kicked dust walking across there. Every last one of them just... <clears throat> with sound effects. <laughs> Listen, you ever walk where, where the water tables drop down? It's mushy, muck. No, I said three million, three million Jews walked across on dry ground because, they, because that water knew the presence was there. What in your life needs to... And that embodiment of that presence is not partial authority. It's all authority that has existed before there was a thing. Oh, Y'all take that home and chew on that. Whatever you're facing ain't older than the authority that lives in you. Oh, come on now, listen to that. Whatever you're going through in life has got nothing on the authority that lives in you. The authority that lives in you existed before that thing and will exist long after that thing. Every problem I face has to bow to the authority that existed before it and will exist after it and will exist after that and after that and existed before and before and before and before and before before there was anything. And it lives in me. And it lives in you. Y'all stand with me. Y'all need to be here next week. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I just want to open up and start reading next week's passages too. <clears throat> I want you to put your hand right here. Everybody put the hand right there. 
And I want you to say this after me. I have everything I need for every battle, every situation, every difficulty. Jesus, I am an overcomer. I am victorious. I am above and not beneath. All things through him are under my feet. I step on scorpions, snakes, and all demonic activity. That's you. That's the authority. You go out of here ready to whip the devil at every turn. Well, what's going to happen tomorrow? It don't matter. It don't matter. It don't make any difference what happens tomorrow. Well, what if this happens? Doesn't matter. Because I'm not trying to do it on my own. Put your hand on your neighbor next to you and just pray for whatever God leads you to pray. Lord, we love you this morning, God. We thank you for your goodness, God, for your mercy, God. Lord, for your favor, God. Lord, I thank you for Jesus. God, for the deity. God, for the the holiness, the righteousness that only he can give, God. Lord, I thank you that you've made us more than conquerors, God, that you've placed inside of us, God, supernatural, supernatural abilities, God, supernatural conquering abilities, God, to walk through life victorious, God, no matter what's thrown at us. Knowing that a Jesus who is all authority, all knowledge, all wisdom, all power lives inside of us. And Lord, we give you all the praise and we give you all the glory in the precious name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Hug someone's neck and you can be dismissed.